Hello and welcome to Red Couch Manx. I'm Vivek Jacob, joined by Carl Mascarenas, and today we are breaking down Manchester United's 2-1 win over Wolves. Obviously, second place was wrapped up a while ago, but they wrap up an entire season of going undefeated away from home in the Premier League. That is a huge landmark, and I think it's something that United should take a lot of pride in. You talk about building character within the group, uh, a lot of times where they've faced deficits and they've had to come back and they've been able to do it. How are you feeling about the ending the season on this note, Carl? The Premier League season. I'm pretty pumped, to be honest with you. It's not too long ago, right before Ole took over, where one of the, the complaints is that United just didn't have what it takes, the metal, what it takes to just fight through adversity, especially away from home. And that was something that was always leveled against us. And to come such a long way under Ole uh, in three years is is very pleasing, to be honest with you. And I'm happy that we ended it off on a win, not a draw. And ironically, we went in front first and uh, kept a hold of it, as opposed to what we've been doing this whole season, which has been coming back and winning games. <laughs> yeah, no doubt. I think... A lot of people would have been nervous about whether or not United would be able to maintain that undefeated uh, away record when they saw the starting lineup. United, obviously, Ole said, we are going to put everyone in cotton wool and think about that Europa League final. So to start this match, you had Dean Henderson in goal, Alex Tellas on the left, Axel Twanzebe and Eric Bailly in the middle of defense, Brandon Williams on the right. The two CDMs were Nemanja Matic and Donny van de Beek. In front of them, you had Daniel James, Juan Mata, and Ahmad Diallo. And up front, you had Anthony Alanga, who came through with his first goal for United uh, in the league. What a goal it was, too. I mean, Daniel James probably put on his best Alex Tellas impersonation with that left foot cross. And then that header from Alanga, I mean, I, I I would have been impressed if Cavani put that header into the net. <laughs> yeah, Vivek, to your point, Alanga, he had a couple of siders before his eventual goal. And he had some, some good chances. I mean, I thought the commentator was a little harsh when Tellus played that beauty of a long ball into his path. And it's not easy to take that first time as you're running with defenders bearing down on you on your, you know, Second game in the Premier League. So I uh, can give him a pass on that one. And then when it came to his chance, he actually created space really well for himself when he blazed it over the bar. And so, you know, he just needed a little bit more composure. And that came with uh, a fantastic cross from Dan James. It actually reminded me of another Welshman that played for United who was uh, had a wizard of a left foot. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I think you know who I'm talking about, Vivek, but... Yeah, that was that was a great start, great goal. It would have given him a lot of confidence because you saw after that, he just grew in confidence. And man, is he quick. I saw him running and he was eating up the yards real quick. Yeah, eats up the yards. He gets into space. like and you, and you saw several times where the United players had no issue kicking a ball and just daring him to go get it, right? And I, I think that was uh, good to see because... Uh, let's face it, we, I don't think we had the most adventurous players on the pitch, <laughs> uh, at, at least behind the, that front foursome. And and then you look at Elanga, you know, 
almost similar to Shoretire in the sense that, uh, and, and even Diallo, they, neither of them shy away from contact. They're all inviting of it. They're, they're not afraid to mix it up. And so uh, even though they're young and they've got, you know, some maturing to do as far as their, as their bodies are concerned, I think it's encouraging that, you know, they're, they're not willing to back down from anyone. It was. I was hoping for a little bit more from Diallo. If I'm being honest, in this game, he he showed glimpses, but yeah, nothing where he just took the game by the scruff of the neck and then went at it. So that that was the only thing. But you know, he, he's slowly growing into it, and you can see why Ole has slowly introduced him into the first team as opposed to just throwing him straight into the fire. The mm-hmm. only time he, I guess he had to do that was against AC Milan, where we we just didn't have enough players on the right. Yeah, and with youngsters, I think more often than not, you're going to expect inconsistency. And we've seen a couple of really solid performances from him when he's had the opportunity. I, you know, maybe he was due for uh, an off game. So I don't, I don't think I'm going to be particularly harsh on anyone. But you know, one player that is definitely going to be viewed with a microscope whenever he gets the opportunity is Donny Van de Beek. Again, in that CDM role, the role where he's likely going to get possibly the longest leash because obviously his preferred number 10 role is occupied playing on the left. There's Rashford, there's Pogba. So that CDM role is going to be where he possibly has an opportunity to make Solskjaer think about, okay, maybe this is a way I can fit him into the team. What did you make of him in this match? I thought he started off very brightly. Usually he's, he's passive maybe not wanting the ball as much as he should. But in this case, he wanted the ball. He was playing a lot of quick one-twos. He's getting in attacking positions. But then as the game went on, he started to become a little bit more passive and was starting to play the safer ball. And that was where I was hoping for a little bit more from him. So I know we discussed actually during the game at halftime, what would you have rated Donny van der Beek? And and you said you'd give him a six. And I think that was a fair rating because there there was still so much more he could have done. He's one of the few players who in this game, if he had a standout performance, then when it came to the Europa League final, let's say things aren't going our way. He's probably one of the guys that's going to get a goal if he had a really good game today. So that's where I was a little disappointed from him, where I thought, okay, he could have shown a little bit more. Yeah, I'm with you. I think there were several passages of play, especially in the middle of the field, where I was discouraged by his general lack of movement. And there were times where he was just flat out walking. And I'm like, if you're hunting for an opportunity, like the one point we've made over and over is the competition for places. And we've seen how Luke Shaw, for example, has risen to the occasion after Alex Tellez has come into the side. And frankly, if you look at Alex Tellez as well, that's the other side of it, right? Like, okay, a player has been brought in to challenge the incumbent, mm-hmm. and that incumbent has raised their level. But now, how is that new player going to take to that as well? And so Donny van de Beek, not having a place in the side, how is he going to take to it? How is he going to respond? We haven't seen that response over the course of the time that he's been with the club. And I think the same can be said of Alex Tellez. Now, the one thing I will say in defense of both of them is this is their first Premier League season. And they haven't got much of a look in. 
it takes a while to adapt. So if they're both with the club next season, then next year is probably a be- going to be a better measuring stick of what they're capable of uh, with this club. I completely agree with you, Vivek. I think one of the things to take into account, as you've already mentioned, is the Premier League is a little different from the other leagues, both in terms of pace, intensity, and power. The second thing as well, if you notice, whenever Van der Beek has played, I, I would put this more for Van der Beek as opposed to Telles, is that there's a lot of different players playing, especially in the midfield area. So it's hard for him to develop that chemistry apart from the practice pitch. He's played with Bruno, Pogba, not that often. Then he gets played with Juan Mata. He gets played with Diallo. He gets played with Dan James, Elanga, Mattis. You know, there's so many different partners he's had that this is where I'll give him the benefit of the doubt saying, you got to develop that chemistry. You can see that Scott and Fred, they play well together. They know each other's games. They People don't know Donnie's game. And it's, you know, the, the comment has already been made that players aren't really looking for him. He might be making these great runs, but players aren't looking for him. And hence, he looks like he's having an ordinary game. And I do believe there is something to that. The other part of that is the player has to take the onus on themselves to make themselves noticeable. That, hey, I want you to give me the ball. Don't be quiet on the pitch. Yell if you have to. You've seen Bruno do that. And then he gets the ball. So that's the other side of the coin. And I think this is where Donny, hopefully with his first season under his belt, Hopefully he gets picked for the Dutch squad. Vivek, you would know more about that. If he does get picked, maybe he can get some confidence there as well. Yeah, I mean, just the lack of playing time is something that might factor in. But at the end of the day, the Dutch, they're not the side that they used to be. And especially missing at the back, you know, Virgil van Dijk. I I think the odds are that he'll probably make it into the squad. Uh, How much he gets to play, that's, that's going to be a big question mark. Looking at uh, Alex Tellez, you know, uh, 38th minute, him uh, along with Nemanja Matic, they got noticed for all the wrong reasons, right? You had Matic first with the slip and fall, and then Tellez just failing to track the runner. You see Tuan Zebe switch on to pick up uh, Fabio Silva's run, uh, try to prevent that ball coming in. Obviously, I think it was a good enough ball where he couldn't really do much about it, but Tell us if he's just playing the right angle there, if he's goal side and he's anticipating that run and stays ahead of it, he's clearing that ball. No problem. Yep, I agree with you. I think it's just a question of just staying switched on. You might not be defending the ball, but you got to defend the run. And Semedo made a nice run in the box. And it wasn't an easy pass from Silva and he found him. And even though United got their defenders and there was a slight deflection, it was a little too late. And that's why we conceded that goal. Not much Dean Henderson could have done for that one. It was a deflection that went in the corner. And just like that, it was 1-1 after really not much play from Wolves that was threatening. On the plus side for Donny, honestly, it was looking like more of more of a negative side because uh, in injury time, first half, he receives the ball in the box and it's tailor made for him to just have a crack with that left foot. Mm -hmm. He fakes because he's anticipating the shot and getting blocked. He tries to keep moving to the side more towards that left side. And then he gets slightly clipped 
makes the most of it. They go to VAR. Uh, he's awarded a penalty. I will say, you know, it's the type of penalty that if the opposition does something like that, Ole might make a comment about it. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, it's the type of play that, you know, it, you don't want to see players going down for. But at the end of the day, the way the game is being refereed now, it's a situation where you have to hate the game, not the player. You know, Vivek, this this was a tricky one because when I saw the first replay, I was like, okay, that's soft. I, I don't know why Donnie didn't just stay on his feet and just have a whack at it. But then when they showed the 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 replay from the other angle, it looks that Saiz got a good piece of Donnie's ankle. Now, I'm just looking at it. Maybe it looks worse in slow motion. That's the only thing I'll say. Regardless, five years ago, that wouldn't have been given just because it's probably not enough contact. And so I would have been upset if that had been given against my team just because I feel like the player could have stayed on their feet. Now, apart from that, I, I do want to give a shout out to Juan Mata who stepped up for the penalty and, and slotted it away. Uh, it's it's fitting on, on multiple levels that he scored that goal. This could be the last game that he plays for Manchester United. And secondly, his mother just passed away. And so it was a fitting tribute for where you could see after he scored the goal, he pointed at the sky. So I, I'm really happy for Juan Mata, classy guy and deserves nothing but the best. And looking at his Manchester United career, it was fitting that was a dead ball as well. We, we know how, fit, how incredible he's been with that over the years. He scored some big goals from set pieces. I think the goal that everyone will always remember wasn't a set piece. It was Liverpool. that... <laughs> that magical volley but you know I, th I think he has been when you look for the word thorough professional that's exactly what he's been with the club and whether he's been in the side out of the side he has always been supported he's always said the right things he's always been a good leader I think honestly on some level even when uh, you know, forget the younger guys. I think even when David De Gea has been having some of his down moments, I think Juan Mata has been there for him as well. And so that can't be underestimated as well. So, yeah, uh, happy to see him score uh, and have that final send-off. Would have been even better if he could have got it in front of the Old Trafford crowd. But, hey, uh, the way the world has been, you'll take it in front of any crowd. Absolutely. Uh, just having a crowd in the first place is something that, that is a pleasant, pleasant surprise, and it's welcomed after what we've <laughs> dealt with over the last year and a bit. So, Carl, I mean, again, with the, with the league season pretty much wrapped up, not much to really look into this match for. But with the 38 league matches completed, maybe we can just do a quick, I know we'll get into a more detailed breakdown uh, once the season is done, where we do player reviews and things like that. but. For now, looking at the 38 matches, one of the things I wanted to point out was you take the first six matches where United won two, drew one, and lost three. Extremely slow start, seven points from six matches. You take away the final four matches where United didn't really have much to play for. And they get one win, one draw, two losses. That's 10 matches where they picked up 11 points. But 
the 28 matches in between, 18 wins, 9 draws, just the one defeat, and they pick up 63 points. That's a lot to take pride in. And and who was that one defeat against Vivek? I think it was <laughs> Sheffield United, wasn't it? Yep. So it, it, a lot of pride to take in. And that's where that whole title talk started. I remember it was at the tail end of last year where Paul Pogba came back into the squad and we just looked like a team completely galvanized. That December period worked in our favor. And there was real talk about that. And then as soon as that defeat to Sheffield United and then City went on that run of all runs, to be honest, I, I what was it, like 22 wins in a row or something like that? That just took us out of contention. But I, I was I was very happy with that. And we put some daylight between us and all the teams below us. Uh, Chelsea, Liverpool, Leicester. Because don't forget, Chelsea was, was way above us uh, with our pathetic start at the start of the season. Mm-hmm. And we, we turned things around. So I think it goes to show that our starting 11 is not a bad one. There's a few tweaks, one or two positions where we need to get that. But you can really tell that as soon as some of those big guns, whether it is a Paul Pogba or a Harry Maguire or even a Cavani goes down, we're in trouble. And that's where those drop points are coming from. And this is why it's so important to get that squad depth going because we're in the next phase of our journey of eventually getting that title back. Yeah, if there is a point to criticize in that group of 28 matches where United picked up those 63 points, it's the nine draws, right? And those matches where United weren't clinical enough and they weren't able to get those goals, that's where United need to level up. Even, you know, some of the poor concessions that they had. We saw some poor goals that were given up. Um, Yeah, we, we... the themes we've talked about have been established over the season, whether it's Aaron Wan-Bissaka getting uh, caught at the back post, whether it's Victor Lindelof getting bullied, whether it's certain forwards with pace being able to get the better of Harry Maguire. Even the slow starts, right? Exactly. So those are the things that definitely need to be addressed. But you know, w- when I look at what this club can be, I'm assessing those 28 matches in between. Not so much the six at the beginning, not so much the four at the end. And so when I look at those 28, I'm saying this is this is a team that's headed in the right direction. Um, I think Ole to finish second after finishing third last season, all the plaudits uh, for him to, to do that. And I think that's why, despite looking at the few candidates that might have been there for the Cantona caller... To finish off the league season, I think uh, Ole Gunnar Solskjaer is my uh, Cantona caller. I agree with you. I think he deserves it. Let's not forget he had second place wrapped up before this game today. Mm-hmm. And and if, if, if that had been offered to us at the start of the season, I would have probably bit your hand off. If you had told me that, hey, we would have finished second above the champions of last year, Liverpool, who at the time looked like they couldn't even lose a game. Yeah. I would have said that you are smoking some good stuff there. <laughs> so so I, I'm happy uh, I know you know fans out there are going to be like hey we're Manchester United we need to be winning titles we shouldn't be happy with second place well Vivek as you've made the point several times just saying hey we're Manchester United doesn't mean anything anymore <laughs> exactly. you have to actually have the players have the structure in place of the club have the signings 
and then you can talk about that. And that last point you made is key. Have the signings, have the commitment from ownership to win, not just make profits. Uh, you know, obviously finishing the, the league season on such a high, I, I would hate to give the Beckham boot to anyone uh, from United. I don't know if there's anyone in Wolves that, that really uh, deserves it as well. So I'm sort of leaning towards giving another one to the Glazers just just <laughs> just to keep that train going and make it clear that you know things have not subsided that uh, I think all of us fans want to be very clear about where this club should be and if they can't get aligned with that then they need to move on to that point Vivek uh, there has been some news announced that Manchester United is having a fans forum on June 4th and for the first time in the Glazer history, Joel Glazer will be attending that fan forum. So this could be a pretty important occasion. I hope that the fans treat it in a way where they ask some pointed questions, but make sure they don't go over the line. Because this is something where the, the, the very least that we're asking for is dialogue between fans and the owner. Now we're getting that opportunity Let's make the most of it. And if I were to read a little bit more into this, Vivek, I highly doubt the Glazers attend a fan forum unless they've got something in their back pocket because they know the backlash they're going to receive. I'm being optimistic here and I'm thinking they've got some signings lined up that's probably going to make the fans happy. And that's the <laughs> only reason why Joel Glazer is attending this forum. <laughs> Yeah, no, I think that is an important date and we'll see what happens with that. Uh, you know, before we quickly preview the Villarreal Europa League final, I think we can just pay our respects to Sergio Aguero, played his final match for Manchester City. And obviously them being the noisy neighbors, the last thing we want to do is give them credit. But uh, when you look at his career, he sets the record for the most uh, goals for a single club with his 185 passing Wayne Rooney with Manchester United in the Premier uh, League yeah in the Premier League and so I think we have to respect it and obviously there is that one moment that will stand above all uh, that we won't talk about too much I was gonna say Vivek please don't talk about it <laughs> <laughs> we can just leave it there <laughs> but I think at the end of the day when you talk about Aguero as a Manchester United fan, when you look at certain opponents, there's certain players with the ball at their feet that create that anxiety, that create that stress, that you know they're going to be a threat. And he was certainly one of the biggest names you can think of. Absolutely. You think about, he's, he's not a very tall striker. And not only when he had the ball at his feet, but even heading capabilities, outstanding. And his movement, you know, we go Gaga over Cavani. Aguero is another one of those guys who just knows when to be in the right place at the right time. All right, let's move on to Villarreal. Wednesday match. It's going to be an exciting way to cap off the season. Carl, Villarreal finished seventh in La Liga. And what's interesting is, you know, they finished seventh, but they had a plus 16 goal difference. Real Batiste finished sixth above them. They finished with a goal difference of zero. Wow. <laughs> so it tells you that hey when they won they won pretty convincingly 
Absolutely. <laughs> and and also it goes to show because goal difference, yeah, you're scoring the goals, but it also means that you're tight at the back. And there is one player who I'll be watching keenly. Uh, this is center back that plays for Villarreal, Torres, who United have been linked with. So we'll see how good he is. And I'm really hoping that United can end the season on a high note. It'll be our, our first season doing this podcast, so it would be fantastic to end it on such a high note with a trophy. Mm-hmm. And then uh, hopefully it's the start of many more trophies, but I don't want to get ahead of myself. <laughs> Carl, I've been watching a few Villarreal highlights of late, and I think if there's an attacking threat that has stood out to me, it's Carlos Baca. And I watched his hat-trick against Sevilla, and... To me, he is the definition of someone who's opportunistic. And especially when I think about how that match will likely play out, I don't think Villarreal are going to be the type to try and dictate terms. I think they know United will be more than happy to operate on the counter. So they will be they will have their reinforcements in the back and then try to take advantage of United. And uh one of the things that I found interesting watching that Villarreal-Sevilla match was we saw that corner routine that United did uh, a couple matches ago where on the right side, they hit it short to Bruno and Bruno sends the cross in. They ran the exact same routine <laughs> and and they almost scored with the header. And so you wonder if that's you know united watching what's been going on in la liga and saying hey this is a way uh, to catch them and that that's something that teams have been doing against them and mm-hmm. so i wonder if we'll see that routine again i won't be surprised uh, and uh, you know i th- i think at the end of the day when i look at united's results the way they've got past sociedad the way they got past granada yes i know this is a final but absolutely to me united are the favorites and it will be a disappointment if they're not able to come away with this trophy. Ladies and gentlemen, Toronto Raptors, I hope you're listening. That piece of insight from Vivek Jacob is one of the reasons he's such a successful journalist. Uh, so I hope, you know what, United are paying attention to to what Vivek is saying. I hope that can be what unlocks us in this final because I have a feeling it's going to be an extremely tight affair where it's just going to be a moment of magic. It could be from a set piece. And I think it's going to be one of our stars that's going to step up to make the difference between the two teams. So, Carl, looking at the lineup for this final, you know, I'll, I'll read out what I have as my eleven, and then maybe we can get into what what are really the points of discussion, and maybe that starts uh, at the back with in terms of who's in for Maguire. But I think we both agree that David Gea should be the one to start this final. So uh, I've got him in net. Across the back, Aaron Wan-Bissaka, Eric Bailly, Victor Lindelof, Luke Shaw. In the middle, we've seen it every big game. So I would absolutely expect it once again, Scott McTominay and Fred together in the CDM roles. Then in front of them, you would have Paul Pogba on the left, Bruno in the middle, Marcus Rashford on the right, and then Edinson Cavani up front. No arguments for me, Vivek. That's that's the lineup I had. Obviously, if Harry Maguire is fit, he comes in place of Eric Bailly. But apart from that, yeah, David De Gea is starting in net for me as well. And uh, hopefully Cavani in his rich vein of form does the business so that I can say those two words one more time. 
I hope you get to do that. That's going to wrap it up for this episode. Again, a great league season for United. Another step in the right direction. Undefeated away from home all season. I I don't think I can say that enough times. It's a, it's a ridiculous accomplishment. 12 wins, 7 draws. Obviously, you'd like to win a few more, but at the end of the day, that's an amazing accomplishment. A reminder, we are on Twitter and Instagram at Red Couch Manx. If you enjoy the show, go ahead and hit that subscribe button and join us after every match. Reviews and ratings are greatly appreciated. On behalf of Carl and myself, thank you for listening to Red Couch Manx.